Welcome to your path to success with Ruth Kearns Volman. This podcast is here to encourage, inspire, and equip you on your leadership journey by learning from others as they tell the story of their path to success. Today's guest, Barbara Lax, made the journey from civil engineer working in a large corporation to founder CEO of Little Greenhouse Daycare Centers here in Switzerland. If I had to choose one phrase to describe Barbara's key to success, it would be growth mindset. During our conversation, she shares what it took for her to go from having an idea at a barbecue to launching Little Greenhouse while still working for a large company full time. She also shares what she learned as she grew into the role of what is now a successful group of six childcare centers dedicated to enabling the children in their care become happy, creative, free-thinking and democratic-thinking future citizens. Enjoy the interview. So I'm really pleased to be able to introduce you to my guest for today, Barbara Lax. Barbara is the founder and CEO of A Little Greenhouse, which is a group of six multilingual preschool daycare centres in Switzerland with a focus on creativity, play and being in touch with nature. Barbara, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you for agreeing to share the story of your leadership and entrepreneurship journey today. Now, Barbara, today, Little Greenhouse is incredibly successful, both as a business and in terms of the impact on the kids' in your care, but I'm sure it's been quite the ride as a journey. Tell us how the idea came about in the first place. Yes. So the idea about Little Green House was really born itself at a barbecue with friends uh, where we were just brainstorming about what kind of business we would uh, start if we would start a business tomorrow. And actually, my first idea was a yeah, Bavarian beer garden because I'm from Bavaria <laughs> and I thought that I really badly needed in Geneva. So then I said, yeah, but you just have a baby and then you will be with all these drunk people all weekend long. So that's not going to work out. And then I said, okay, well, why not then talking about children do a very innovative childcare center, something that connects the needs of the modern family, you know, working parents, uh, linking a family and also having a career, but also the multilingual environment that we're living in in Switzerland and the nature that we have at our doorstep. So I was just throwing that out like that. I, you know, I didn't specify it as detailed, but I gave some ideas and there was so much applause to the idea. (laughs) And the whole idea why I started my own company started much earlier because I was working in a big corporation for 12 years at Caterpillar. Um, I'm actually an engineer. I always dreamt about having my own business and being my own boss. And when I worked at Caterpillar, I worked in strategy, strategic development, strategic projects, and I loved it. I loved throwing ideas out. I loved developing them. I loved to make a. I loved to make a plan on, on how to execute them. The only thing is that I was never doing the decision if and how it then eventually will be executed, and that was a big frustration for me. So one way or the other, I would have always started my own company. Maybe not a childcare group. When I had this idea, I thought, okay, you know what? This is my chance. This is a great idea. There is a customer base out there. I know how to do a strategy. I know to write a business plan. I know to do competitive analysis. Now I have this possibility to put something into action, into life. And so I just have to do it. I think it was a connection of the readiness and then of the idea. You know, a lot of people 
have dreams of running their own business. They have even great ideas. But there are a minority of those people who actually launch a business, let alone have a successful business. What took this from an idea to a concrete plan for you? So I was really excited about the idea. It was like very emotional. It was like being in love with the idea. You know, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it anymore. So I decided to just do a business plan about it while still working at Caterpillar. And I just developed it further and further started to talking with people. And each time I had to play this role of I'm this entrepreneur, I'm this social entrepreneur that, that has this really great idea. So I needed to play this role. And I think I just grew into this role to a certain point where it was about signing a rental contract. And so I knew, I knew, okay, now I have taken it a bit far, you know, you know, take really big risks from one day to the other, basically. And then I, I knew, okay, now or never. And it was huge. I, I took huge risks. It's not everybody, everybody would like that. And it was crazy. And I was also under a lot of stress during the first two years. I was actually still working at Caterpillar right. um, while starting up this business. And there were a lot of things that went wrong that I ne never expected to go wrong. And uh, I was under enormous pressure and stress. And I guess if I would have known all that, I wouldn't have done it just that way. I would have probably prepared it better, taken less risk, growing maybe a bit more slowly into this role than just jumping in through the cold water. <laughs> so, you know, the beginning of a business and you're still in your job, you've got, I don't know how many kids you had at the time, but I know you had at least one child, all of that going on. What were some of the defining moments during the beginning, the first couple of years? Defining moments in what sense? Like you said, there were some some big risks, there were some big challenges, maybe some some ups and downs, some failures. Yes, it was a difficult time the first two years in the beginning, you know, the the excitement overweighed, and I also had to be very confident about my idea because my environment was worried for me also to take a lot of risks. And so there wasn't a lot of support, I would say, because I had a very good job that I liked. I liked my colleague. I had a good salary. So my environment wasn't, you know, especially people that love me and that want to protect me. They were not keen on me uh, giving all this up for the unknown. In the beginning, I was very excited and I just kept a lot of the development for myself. Things started to go wrong very, very early on from trying to get the funding for it, trying to get the authorization for it, trying to find the right people, how to set up a team, how to make sure that people stay with your idea, even though they don't know if this actually is going to work. And so I had to build a lot of resilience. I had to also work through those difficult times and knowing, okay, this is not fun anymore, but the fun might come back and you cannot just give up the moment that you lose the joy because there will always be moments there, but even to the biggest ideas where you actually lose the joy and to just continue, you know, one step in front of the other, I guess that was my strategy to continue getting up every morning and just trying to find the few things that actually work. So it sounds like there was a huge passion there, a willingness, if you like, to work through that, that it was going to be worth it. The pain was going to be worth it. What was your purpose behind it all? 
Yes, for me, I, I'm passionate about social responsibility, sustainable development. I have always loved to be involved in projects where you can improve things in the society, in my work at Caterpillar, but also in the choice of, of my studies. You know, as civil engineer, there's a lot of possibilities actually to to improve conditions for, for society. So that's where I believe Little Greenhouse can have a huge impact. And we're working with the future citizen. We're working with the next generation. We can do so many good things in our company if we put in place the right values, if we work on giving children freedom, creativity, democratic thinking, if we allow inclusion in all aspects and all dimensions, also social inclusion, social mix to support diversity and to really help our society to be more integrated again and not so working in those different silos, being in silos, social silos, cultural silos, or professional group silos. So you've got this huge kind of idea and purpose, and yet there's all these obstacles to get it going. You said that it was quite hard at the beginning because many of the people who loved you weren't too keen on you taking risks. How did you get yourself the right support through this period? I knew that I needed to talk with as many people as possible to learn also because a lot of the things I didn't know how to do. I never started a company before. I'm not coming from an entrepreneurial company and family background. So I was really trying to build my network, build, find people that could support me in a positive way and that helped me to, to fill those knowledge gaps, but also could help me in my mindset. And so on the one hand, it helped me to read a lot, uh, read books about, you know, mindset, about psychology, about setting the right focus, setting the right baseline, building how to build the right teams and you know, safe environment, for example, safe working environment, all these kind of questions I never asked myself before. On the other hand, I found support in being coached. So I had throughout the startup time, uh, several different coaches accompanying the development in different aspects of the, of the business. So some were more focused on helping me in the startup environment. Also, there was a lot of network for, for entrepreneurs. It's great in Switzerland. I think there's a lot of support you can get, but then also personal coaches helping me to focus on positive things, even if it's sometimes difficult to find them and really focusing on what goes well and how you can get more of that. Uh, that's a difficult exercise, I think, especially in a crisis situation that seems artificial at first, but it really helps you to change your mindset and get back on track. So that that is really important. And I have really worked, continued working with different coaches on different aspects of the business and of my personal development. And I also encourage our teams to do the same and I enable them to do the same. And we work with coaches also to develop our leadership and our teams. You mentioned resilience. What are your biggest go-to strategies that work for you? It's funny that you asked me this question because I'm just a few days away from a very big resilience event test for myself. So when actually just one, like one and a half years ago in March 2020, when COVID hit and we were all in our homes and I felt I have to be this strong rock for my teams, but also for the families. 
I felt there was a lot of de-escalation that I needed to manage. People were getting very irritated and getting very nervous and stressed. And I needed to really be the one who sends videos to reassure everybody, to make sure that everybody knows what will happen next, to communicate very regularly. So I needed for myself to have something to hold on to. And I needed to have some kind of manageable goal, some kind of place that I could go to, that I could control in a way, you know, so that I knew this is something... That's for me and that's what I managed. So what I did is I inscribed to the Tune Iron Man in, yeah, next uh, two weeks in, uh, on the 5th of September. <laughs> so since then, I have my, my source of stability were my training plans, where my increased performance, physical performance, where my met or not met training schedules, these little things you have to go through, all the material you need to have, all these exercises and all the progress. And it's measurable and it's tangible and it's good for your health. It forces me to go outside, which is very good for my soul. I need a lot of time to think, time to listen to books, time for myself. And running for me is one of the best sources for for getting ideas, digesting situations, playing through communication in my head, having conversations, writing about stuff, all that happens while I'm running and also sometimes cycling. That really helped me to have this sanity and to have the stability. And, and so that's my source, but it's also at the moment a source of stress <laughs> because now <laughs> it's so close and you're like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> Well, I'm sure it's going to be a great experience. So we've talked about this initial stage of the business where, you know, it was important to get the right support. You've got lots of big risks. You, you, you have to work on your resilience. How did you know when you were on track? This idea really, and this business really had legs and was working. I think for me, the earliest feelings of being on track was very emotional and loving feedback from the parents, from families. Of course, there were, we had feedback at, of all kinds. And in the beginning, especially, we were struggling a lot to meet promises and meet the expectations. But there were many, many families right from the start that loved us and did everything they could to support this idea and to support our development and to see this and to hear this and to feel this, how much the idea is actually really happening and we really have an impact on the lives of these families. To hear this in a very emotional way, for me, that was the biggest confirmation. The other confirmation was also that have people in our team that have been with us from the start 10 years ago mm -hmm. and that are still with us that have given up vacations because we needed them in urgent situations that have given up moving to other countries even though their heart was calling and because they felt their, their places at Little Greenhouse and to have built feel that there is a strong belonging of some of those people that were there from the start and that still believe in in our purpose and that engage so strongly and that also show, shows me regularly that we are on the right track. Mm. Plus, of course, for me as well, 
as an entrepreneur, I can see that I can play to my strengths. I can create the ideas. I can realize the purpose that I feel strongly for. I also can be in charge. And I really know that, that we are going in the right direction. And I think that also helps our teams, this confidence. Mm. And so when did you decide that it was more than just one little greenhouse? Because you've not just launched one daycare center, it's a group of daycare centers now. That was the idea right from the start. I was trained 12 years by Caterpillar. It's a, a global company. I was always thinking at Little Greenhouse, um, Swiss network or maybe even international network, a very strong concept, a very strong science-based concept that is differentiating and that is innovative. And that also is a ground for more innovation in society and where we can have the exchange between different language regions in Switzerland and also different cultural regions in Switzerland and benefit from this wealth of, again, diversity and understand how we can build this community on those strengths and on those sources. Yeah. You're talking again about a purpose and the culture of Little Greenhouse and the fact that the, the belonging is there is a sign that you have a strong culture that also your teams, the people who work at Little Greenhouse feel a part of. How did you go about creating something like that? Because you're not just an entrepreneur. I mean, you're you're the CEO, you're, you're a leader, you're the one who's setting the direction. And that's something which is often a challenge, isn't it? To have not only a purpose, but strong values and culture, which are live throughout the whole of the organization. I think my steepest and biggest learning curve, because as an engineer and working in a big corporation and working in research, you're not really exposed to those questions. You feel it as an employee, but you don't ask yourself, and I never ask myself that question, how can I build a strong culture? I think part of it helped me what I saw in Caterpillar that was also a company that had built a very strong culture. So a lot of things I was unconsciously replicating, the, the vibrant part of it, you know, celebrating together and this belonging, you know, this community creation. And a lot of it I needed to really learn myself. And for me, what... I think what really works well at Little Greenhouse and what we continue to work on is, is our culture. It's a special environment. It's a social environment where most of the people that work there are, are givers. You know, those people, they are there for the purpose and they are there because they believe in their hearts that that's the right thing. So you need to give them a lot of safety and they need to feel safe. They need to be able to do the best of their work without having to worry about hierarchies, about maybe not saying the right thing or maybe being judged. Judgment is a, is a very big fear for everybody, but especially in this environment. And so a lot of my job is to frame the work to make sure everybody understands exactly their expectations, roles and responsibilities, but really also emphasizing the purpose as much as I can to remind everybody why we're here. We're working with a future citizen. We are helping them to be creative, open, democratic thinking citizens of tomorrow. We want to have this inclusion in terms of equal rights for all, all ages, all genders, all cultures, all orientations, all needs. 
So we are very inclusive in our thinking. However, we are very diverse in our teams because we're international, we speak different languages, we come from different cultures. So we need to have this belonging of our brand, of our group, of our structure. And I need to remind people why it matters that we work, why it matters what we're doing every day. Because you would think that that's obvious for each of, of them, but sometimes it gets lost in the daily work. And I think that that's one of my biggest roles. Other than that... So just just to pause you there, how, how do you go about that when you've got people who are... I'm just thinking of my own experience of my, my daughter being in, in a daycare center. They're dealing with their day-to-day things. They're not all in the same place. Mm-hmm. They're spread out. How do you go about keeping that culture alive and communicating with people who are working with the children every day? There is a lot of things that we are doing to make sure that we are all on the same page. We have a very rigorous and strict onboarding process. Uh, we have, you know, our own handbook. We have our own internal training. We put a lot of emphasis on our concept and the why behind the concept. Why do we do the things we do and what is it giving to the family so that people can really also feel it with examples. We do a lot of mindstorming. We do a lot of common development of ideas, do a lot of video communication to the teams because I cannot reach 180 people directly. And it's important everybody knows their place in the organization. So we work with you know, a very limited amount of hierarchies and a lot of definitions of who is doing what and why and how it all fits together so that people can feel safe in their role, that they know exactly what's expected of them and that we can also give each other feedback, climate of candor and a climate of also radical candor, you know, that we can openly say and that we have the safety in place in our organization, that people are not afraid to speak up, that they are actually encouraged to speak up with also critical ideas with questions. A part of it is also how we as leaders are walking the talk. Are we asking good questions? Are we good listeners? Are we showing the example that it's okay to fail? It's okay to make mistakes because we want our people also to take some calculated risks and to go out of their comfort zone because that's often the struggle that people are afraid to go out of their comfort zone and afraid to communicate maybe with with new parents or with new colleagues and to really make this alive. We work a lot also on internal events, you know, we, we get together very regularly and now that it's more complicated with COVID, we do that on a video basis. So we have a lot of things in place where we make sure that we have our touch points and we have our celebrations and we have our possibility to ask questions and to give feedback. So we've talked a bit about culture. What are some of the other leadership principles that you've developed over time as a CEO? Yeah, I mean, culture by for me is by far the biggest and communicating the vision, giving the purpose. The other thing that I like to do a lot is to, to build bridges, to, to connect people from different backgrounds. I think that's one of my strengths that I'm not afraid to talk with new people and to put people in touch and maybe also sometimes translating you know translating how somebody maybe more of a business and 
environment says something that could create questions or fears in people, for example, working in, in the social environment or taking away the fear of politics, taking away the fear of saying something that maybe the other person doesn't understand immediately. So really getting the communication going, getting this common understanding and also translating to the rest of the world the importance of the social sector of, of the people working on a daily basis with the humans and the impact they have, the professionalism that's behind that, the, the toughness of the work. I can give so many examples where I was shocked to understand how intense and difficult this daily job of our educational team is compared to any office job I have ever seen or done. Mm. Absolutely. So what it sounds to me is that very much what the vision that you have for the experience of the children and the families is that also the vision for how you want to experience it in the people working at Little Greenhouse. It's like a broader family, like there the, the values around diversity, around communication and inclusion and, and all of those things are something which doesn't just apply to what we do for the, for the clients, if you like, but it's what we live out in our own leadership. Yes, absolutely. You have to start with your people and only if everybody feels that they're valued and that they can grow and that they are safe, they can also give the safety and this growth mindset and this value to children. Mm. And the openness, you know, the candor, we need to give this to our team so that they can give this to mm. the parents. Mm. Uh, we need to connect with our colleagues so they see how it feels also to connect with the families. Mm. Uh, It's all interlinked and you need to start with your own people and they are the ones that then go out there and do the job. So they need to feel that this is the right thing and they need to feel that we are doing what we're saying so they can also do what we are saying. Yeah, absolutely. So as we start to come to the end of our time together, if you look back over this journey from a barbecue where you had an idea and you saw that people got excited about it to being a CEO of a number of, of daycare centers and a big family with, I think you said, 180 people working for Little Greenhouse, what are some of your biggest learnings that you've had? It could be about yourself or, or about leadership, about taking risks, about what, what is it that stands out for you? So the biggest learning for me, I would say, is really the how important and how impactful the work with our own people is, how important the team is, how important the, the colleagues are, and how this has to work, and how you can make it work, and how you can create a culture, and how you can ensure a culture. These are all questions I hadn't asked myself in the beginning, and I'm constantly learning. And it's not as if we are all doing it right. You know, there's a lot of things that we need to do better, and we get this feedback from our employees, and I'm very grateful for that. So I, that shows me that I'm on the right track because we do get this open feedback. People feel safe, safe to give us critical feedback. Yeah. And so this is something that I learned. And also, I'm still learning, asking questions, asking the right questions, and listening. I don't always have to have all the answers, but sometimes a good question is much more worth than a good answer. And that's also a still a very steep learning curve for me. The other thing that I learned the hard way and I'm learning over and over again is that there is always a light at the end of the tunnel and there, there the fun will come back no matter what, if you just focus on the things that are going well. And uh, 
this experience that times you feel like, okay, this is not fun anymore. I have lost the joy. Maybe just, just do something else. That's not, I think, the right way to think. But what can I do to make the fun come back? What's within my action influence circle that I can do to feel the joy again and to look for the little signs and to have resilience and to hang in there and not immediately give up when it's not fun anymore because it takes a lot of pain it takes a lot of pain um, <laughs> to get to a, to a place of fulfillment I would say yeah and it's interesting because I'm immediately thinking about your Iron Man now you know yes it's a lot of parallels in there a lot because also that the training has been very painful at times and I had to really push myself to get out there and swimming in the rain and cycling in the rain and doing push-ups when you're really tired, stuff like that. But that's, I think it's a very good exercise. Yeah. For, for the mind, it's a very good exercise for the mind. And this resilience, I think is really the most important thing to build when you want to create something. Yeah. So one final question. There may be people listening who are thinking of embarking on an entrepreneurial journey or who are dreaming of that. What's kind of one piece of advice you would give to them? I would say I'm a big believer in the growth mindset. You know, you can learn anything. You, if you set your mind to it, you can reach any skills, reach any goals. You need to believe that you can learn it and you need to put your energy to it and not give up and look for the good things happening around you and focus on those and try to find more of those, no matter how small it might seem. That's kind of summarizing of what really helped me through the difficult startup times. Mm. Well, thank you so much. It's been really inspirational to hear your story. And I wish you all success with your Ironman, but also with Little Greenhouse and our future citizens. <laughs> thank you very much, Ruth, and thanks for having me. Now, I've been doing quite a few workshops on growth mindset recently, and I love how this conversation with Barbara illustrates very practically what growth mindset looks like. You see, the beginning of her story exemplifies the power of purpose and passion for getting us started, but also the power of perseverance for keeping going. And perseverance through challenges is one of the hallmarks of growth mindset. So while Barbara had a lot of skills to bring to the strategic planning and so on at the beginning, she was also very clear on what she didn't know yet about entrepreneurship and about the childcare sector. Despite the tough experience of the first two years, she didn't give up. Instead, she actively sought help, surrounding herself with mentors, coaches and networks that would support her and help her to grow. Then, as she talked about growing into the CEO role, I was struck by her focus on clear, frequent communication to enable the whole team to connect to the purpose and feel a sense of belonging. Then she role modeled seeking feedback and intentionally nurtured a culture of safety and candor in her team so that they can give and receive feedback, learn and grow. And as she said, this culture is fundamental to the way that they work, not just as a team, but also with the families and the children in their care. In order to grow and learn through challenges, we need to feel safe. 
And Barbara is a great example of someone who created a support structure for herself during the tough first two years of launching her business. And now as CEO, she's built a culture of safety and belonging for her team within which candor and learning can thrive. So I want to leave you with a question. What can you do to create a safe environment for you and for those around you to face new challenges, learn, fail, and ultimately grow? As the end of the year approaches, one thing I like to do to learn and grow is to pause and reflect on the past year, on what's gone well, on what's not gone as I expected, and to look for the hidden gems there. If you'd like some support with that, I'm actually running an end of 2021 guided reflection workshop on the 9th of December. There'll be three separate sessions on that day, 8am and 4pm at Central European time in English and 12 midday in French. It's totally free and you're welcome to sign up on my website. It's yourpathtosuccess.ch forward slash events. I'd love to see you there and I'll be looking to create a safe space for you to learn and grow. 